Thank you for joining me today's podcast. It's a great conversation we're going to have about what does the Bible say about luck? We all have these conversations. Oh, that was lucky. Oh, thank your lucky stars. Well, the American Heritage Dictionary defines luck as follows. The chance happening of fortune or adverse events. Good fortune or prosperity. Success to gain success or something desirable by chance. I lucked out in finding that rare book. The main question is, do things happen by chance? If they do, then one can speak of someone being lucky or unlucky. But if they do not happen by chance, then it is inappropriate to use those terms. We're going to take our reading today from Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verses 11 through 12, which says, I have observed something else under the sun. The fastest runner doesn't always win the race, and the strongest warrior doesn't always win the battle. The wise sometimes go hungry, and the skillful are not necessarily wealthy. And those who are educated don't always lead successful lives. It is all decided by chance, by being in the right place at the right time. And in verse 12, he says, People can never predict when hard times might come. Like fish in a net or birds in a trap, people are caught by sudden tragedy. Much of what Ecclesiastes shares is from the perspective of a person who looks at life on earth without God, or life under the sun, as it refers to. From such a perspective, leaving God out of the picture, there seems to be a good luck and a bad luck sense of understanding. A runner in a race may be the swiftest, but because someone in front of him stumbles, he trips over him and he falls and doesn't win the race. How unlucky for him. Or a warrior king may have the strongest army, but some chance arrows shot up into the air at random by a no-name enemy soldier just happens to pierce his armor in its most vulnerable location, resulting in that king's death and the loss of the battle. How unlucky for King Ahab, as we read about that in 2 Chronicles 18, verse 33. Was it a matter of luck? Reading the whole of 2 Chronicles chapter 18, we find that God had his hand in this matter from the very beginning. The soldier who shot the arrow was totally unaware of its trajectory, but God, in his sovereignty, knew all along it would mean the death of this wicked king, Ahab. I love what 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 15 through 17 says. He said, Listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid, don't be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours but God's. Tomorrow, march out against them. You will find them coming up through the ascent of Ziz. At the end of the valley, that opens into the wilderness of Jeruel. But you will not even need to fight. Take your positions, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you. O people of Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. Man, is that ever encouraging? 
the Lord is really encouraging them, says, you don't even have to fight. I'm going to deal with this. And that's not by luck or by chance. A similar chance occurrence takes place in the book of Ruth. Ruth, a widow who was caring for her widow mother-in-law, looks for a field to collect leftover grain to provide for them. So she went out and began to, what they said, glean in the fields behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she found herself working in the field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. We read this in Ruth chapter 2, verse 3. Elimelech had been the husband of her mother-in-law, Naomi. So Boaz was a relative of hers and was generous to Ruth. Now, as Ruth returns home with a great deal more of grain than Naomi expected, her mother-in-law asked her, Where did you get this grain? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one at whose place she had been working. The name of the man I worked with today is Boaz, she said. The Lord bless him. Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, He has not stopped showing you his kindness to the living and the dead. She added, That man is our close relative. He is one of our kinsmen redeemers. Ruth chapter 2 verses 19 through 20. So Naomi did not see it as a chance occurrence, but as a providence of God. As do others later in Ruth chapter 4 verse 14. So it's really important. People didn't take these things lightly. They knew that it had to be the hand of God. Proverbs 16.33 states a general principle. The lot is cast into the lot, but its every decision is from the Lord. This refers to the use of uh, casting lots similar to the tossing of a coin or the rolling of dice to settle certain judicial cases. The case involving a kaon in Joshua 7 is an example in which the principle of Proverbs 16.33 is used to find the guilty party. Proverbs 18.18 states something similar. Casting the lot settles disputes and keeps strong opponents apart. Again, the idea is that God's providence plays this determining role in the results of the casting of lots so that judicial conflicts can be resolved no matter how great the contention. And Proverbs 16.33 would indicate that something as random as the rolling of a dice or the tossing of a coin is not outside God's sovereign control. And therefore, its results are not merely a chance, as we would view it, life from under the sun. God's sovereignty involves two aspects. God's active will or sovereignty would involve something he causes to happen, such as the leading of wicked King Ahab into the battle in 2 Chronicles 18, verse 18 through 19. Ahab's death was not merely the result of a randomly shot arrow, but as 2 Chronicles 18 reveals, God actively directed the events that led Ahab into battle and used that randomly shot arrow to accomplish his intended will for Ahab that day. God's passive will involves him allowing rather than causing something to happen. Chapter 1 of the book of Job illustrates this and what God allowed Satan to do in the life of Job. 
It is also involved in the evil that God allowed Joseph's brothers to do to Joseph in order to accomplish a greater good, a good not apparent to Joseph until the years later. We read that in Genesis 50 verse 20, where he tells his brother, what you intended bad, God made good. Because we do not have the curtains really drawn back for us to see what is taking place in the heavens. We, we cannot understand and determine whether God's active or passive will is involved in the events of our lives. But we do know that all things that take place are under the umbrella of His will, whether active or passive, and therefore nothing is a matter of mere chance. When a person rolls the dice to play a board game, God may sometimes cause the dice to land a certain way, but more often than not in such inconsequential matters, He may allow the dice to land as his laws of nature would determine without any active involvement. But even when he is not actively involved, how the dice lands is still under his sovereignty. Complex to understand, but he is God. So it is for any event of life, no matter how small or how large, God is sovereign over all. And so nothing is merely the matter of chance. Here's some great references to what I just said. Matthew 10, verses 29 through 31. Daniel 4, 35. Proverbs 21, 1 through 3. Ephesians 1, 11. Psalms 115, verse 3. Isaiah 46, verses 9 through 10. Take a moment to look those up. From any earthly perspective, things may seem to happen at random, but throughout the whole of Scripture, it is clear that God is in control of all his creation and is somehow able to take random acts of natural law, the free will of both good and evil men, and the wicked intent of demons and combine them all to accomplish his good and perfect will. Genesis 50 verse 20, Job chapter 1 and 42, John chapter 9 verses 1 through 7. It's amazing how God can pull all these things together with so many extremities that he is able to accomplish what is good and perfect. We just don't always understand it at the immediate moment. And Christians specifically are given the promise that God works all things, whether seemingly good or bad, together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Romans 8:28. It was not a coincidence, but a godsidence that my mother gave me life, a productive life through the sacrifice of my mother, who was a victim of a violent offense. What my biological father intended bad, God created good from the entire incident. I might not favor all the options our society deems as proper, but it is important to at least give a person all the options rather than one biased view. I think the events in our life is God's timing. There is reason and purpose with everything that happens to us. Just because we don't understand it now doesn't mean there isn't a plan. Albert Einstein used to say, God doesn't play dice. You can make something out of nothing if you can imagine, dream, and hope. I'll share with you a story that is in my book called Baby Boy R and it's about Michelle when she got married. Her curiosity level raised to an all-time high. 
Michelle decided to work the web to place herself on the Catholic Charities Adoption Registry for a possible sibling parental match. The same day she registered online was the same day that her biological mother checked online and emailed Michelle the same night, noting that she, Michelle, may be her daughter. The process took about two months to confirm their biological connection. Meanwhile, they were sending photographs of each other via email. Would you call that a coincidence? I don't think so. I think that's a godsidence. There's an old Danish proverb that says, what you are is God's gift to you. What you do with yourself is your gift to God. You see, God gives each one of us certain gifts and a purpose for being here. Your gift to God is what you do with your gifted life. It is not a coincidence. It is not luck. It is intentional in God's plan for you. God bless you today.